Take your Bibles, if you will, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this evening. It is good to be home and back with you. Missed being with you Sunday. I'm thankful for Pastor Matt uh, doing a great job, I heard, on Sunday um, preaching. And uh, thank the Lord for the opportunity to be able to take Jackson to Florida, our, our youngest son, and drop him off at college there at Word of Life Bible Institute. And um, actually, Saturday, we were supposed to leave Saturday uh, early morning and or later morning actually and I uh, got home from prayer meeting here and he was having an episode his blood sugar was dropping he was throwing up and couldn't stop and so our regular routine with his liver disease call an ambulance and we did that and so I told Kim go ahead to the hospital with him I'm going to go ahead by faith and load up the car with all of his stuff in it and see how it goes. So we got some IV fluids in him, and he started feeling better. And so said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to start going towards Florida. So Saturday evening, picked him up at the hospital there in Cookville, and we started south and uh, went about halfway, spent the night. He got some good rest into the next day and was feeling even better. And so we finished the trip on Sunday, Monday, got him settled Went to an orientation, started back, and got back last night. But he is doing well, and thank you for your prayers and for allowing us to to be away and do that. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've been going through uh, 1 Corinthians on Wednesday nights. I appreciate Brother Chris and uh, him co-teaching this with with us. And tonight we're going to finish up chapter 10 and get into just the first verse of chapter 11. Uh, in this section that I have entitled Free to Glorify God. For several months we have been talking about Christian liberty. In fact, chapters 8, 9, and and 10 all deal with this issue. How does a a Christian function within the framework of Christian liberty? How does a Christian know what is right and wrong when the Bible doesn't say specifically or is not clear what we would call gray areas? What does our Christian freedom allow us to do. And so in our section tonight, Paul gives his final statement on this issue to the Corinthians. So let's read together verses 23 through the end of the chapter and actually read the first verse of chapter 11. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you that is offered in sacrifice unto offers, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. 
Even as I please all men in all things, that's the goal, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Would you go back to verse number 31, which I believe is kind of the the key verse of this section and a main verse in the New Testament. Let's say it together out loud, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Father, we thank you for another time to come in the middle of the week together with brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you, to open up the word of God again, allow you to speak to us through your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher tonight, that he would teach us that which we do not know. I pray, Father, that you will um, give us that which we have not and that you will make us what we are, are not, that you would have us to be. And may you do it all for your son's sake. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 31, it gives us one of the most essential statements in the Bible, and it brings our life's purpose into this statement. Whatever you and I do, we do it to the glory of God. What does that mean, to do it all to the glory of God? And perhaps to understand better what it means to glorify God, we, we can look at Scripture and see what it means not to glorify God. I want to go back to the Old Testament to look at this in Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, I think Ezekiel 36 helps us understand that this principle. And the background is that Israel had been dispersed. They had been, they had been scattered throughout the world uh, without a land. And it was because of their sin. This is known as the, the dispersion or the scattering of Israel. Because of their rebellion, God's, God had scattered them. Now, by the time of the writing in Ezekiel chapter 36, God had began to regather his people. But I want you to look at what he says in verse number 20. And when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. That would be the opposite of bringing glory to God. They profaned his holy name when they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. God is in essence telling them, you have brought reproach upon my name. You have brought bad publicity to the name of God. Now look at verse number 21. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. He had pity, notice, wasn't on the people of Israel. It was on his holy name. It was for the glory of God that he had pity on them. Look at verse 22. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. He's making a point here. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. And then he explains how he's going to do this. Look at verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. 
A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Here's what the story reminds us about the glory of God, that God is reproached, not glorified, when we sin. We take away from the glory of God when we, as the people of God, do not live up to the standard that God has given to us. You see, as, as the people of God, we have a choice. We can either reproach the name of God, bring reproach on the name of God, or bring glory to the name of God by what we do. And the truth is, we can't control what the entire world believes about God, what they think about God. But I can tell you what we can have an influence on. We can have an influence on what our community, on what our neighbors think about God. We can have an influence on what our family thinks about God. We can have an influence on what our coworkers who work with us every day, many of them have a view of God based on what they see in us. We either, we either profane the name of God by the way that we act and what we do and what we say, or we bring glory to God. And so that is why Paul kind of wraps up this whole discussion about Christian liberty with this profound statement, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, when it comes to Christian liberty, do all to the glory of God. In other words, live every day with that in mind. Get up every day and all that you do and all that you say And think about this, am I bringing glory to God? Or am I like the children of Israel profaning profaning the name of God? Here is one for all those of us in the workforce. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Notice that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. If those in our workplace know that we're a Christian, and by the way, they ought to know that we're a Christian, amen? If they know that we are a Christian, then they are watching how we treat other people within the workplace. They're watching the respect or the lack of respect that we show to our bosses, and it either brings glory to God by the way that we act, or it brings um, dishonor to God. To young married women, he says in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and I'm encouraged to see young women uh, here tonight in our Wednesday night service. Here's what it says, that they may teach the younger women, talking about the older women, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Notice Here it is again, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In other words, they're watching us. They're watching our response. It ought to be different from the lost world. Then to the young men, and in verses 6 through 8, also of Titus 2, young men likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, here it is, having no evil thing to say of you. It says in the workplace, glorify God, young women, Young mothers, 
Young wives, glorify God. Young husbands, glorify God in the way that you treat your wife, in the way that you lead your family. And so now in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, one of the most urgent areas in which we must glorify God, church, is in the use of Christian freedom and Christian liberty. When Paul says all things are lawful or everything is permissible, he was clearly not negating those things which which the scripture expressly forbids. He was referring to debatable matters, not directly addressed in the Bible. The big issue that we've been studying here is the eating of meats. Meats that have been offered to idols versus meats that have not. And of course, that is not a, a big issue today, but... There would be other things today that are issues that would be uh, people who would sit in the same um, congregation may have different views on. Many of these issues would, would include specifics about what we wear, what music we listen to, what movies we watch, what we decide about drinking wine, smoking, overeating, what we eat, what we put into our bodies. Uh, where we educate our children, whether we go to certain vacation spots or not. How do we know these things? Whatever the gray area may be, how are we going to know if it will bring glory or a reproach to God? And so I want us to just look at three things this evening from the text. First of all, and we'll spend most of our time here, is the principles of Christian liberty. And there are four of them that I see here in our text in verses 23 through 30. And here is the first one, edification over gratification. How do I know whether I should do something or not? We ask this question, is it edification over gratification? And this is so basic, this is so practical, yet it is a principle that is so neglected in the lives of many Christians. And let me just say that as you grow in your faith, this is a mark of true spiritual maturity when you are able to say no or yes to certain things, not because it gratifies you, but because it builds you up spiritually or it builds other people around you up spiritually. Look what he says in in verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Remember that that all things lawful for me had become a popular slogan of the Corinthians and they had began to just kind of sling it around and use it to be able to do whatever they wanted to do, to live however they wanted to live. And, And so they would say things that, and they're repeating Paul actually saying all things are lawful for me. So Paul comes back and he uses that phrase, that slogan again, but they had become very flippant and they had begun to misuse grace. By the way, there's a lot of people today who misuse grace. Grace is not given to excuse us to sin. It ought to be a motivator for us to live godly lives. As we understand grace, it doesn't, make us want to just do whatever we want to do and what they call first John 1 9 it after we do it but it causes us to want to live a life that is pure so Paul makes this statement and argues that our freedom should have limits and he says these two things all things are lawful for me but first of all all things are not expedient that word means beneficial it's not beneficial oh you can do it 
You wouldn't be sinning and doing it. There's nothing in the Bible that says don't do it, but it wouldn't be beneficial. So Paul says, don't do it if it's not beneficial. Secondly, all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And that word simply means built up. So look, whenever we're faced with something that the Bible is not clear about, it's not really, the question is not, can I do it? The question should be, should I do it? Not can I do it, but should I do it? And these are the two things that will help us to answer this question. Building up is obviously talking about spiritual growth here. Everything that we do as a Christian is to be to the end that we and others are built up, that we grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Second Peter says in Chapter 3, verse 18. How are we built up as believers? I I think there's a lot of ways that we're built up. Um, We could name many of them tonight, but let me just give you some that the Bible specifically gives us. First of all, the Word of God. Saturating our heart and mind with the Word of God builds us up. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So immersing yourself in the study of the word of God. Also, the preaching and teaching of God's word is something that builds us up. It's why it is central here at Faith Baptist Tabernacle. It's why it ought to be central in every church. It's not, it's not we love music and music is great and it helps prepare us, but it is, it is all about preparing us for the preaching and teaching of God's word. Fellowship is great. We need it. We need a lot of it. But it doesn't substitute the preaching and teaching of God's word. Why? Because it builds us up. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he that prophesieth or preacheth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So the reading of the Bible, the study of the Bible will build us up. Preaching, teaching will build us up. Thirdly, we see in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1 that love builds us up. It says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And then obedience, obedient service. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 in regards to obedience says this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, when the saints do the work of the ministry, the body of Christ is built up. So what, what edifies, what builds up? Studying the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, uh, making love a priority within our congregation and obedient service to God. These are the things that build us up. Again, here in a few chapters, listen to what Paul says in chapter 14, verse number 26. Let all things be done unto edifying. In in other words, let everything that you and I do have as an end result that it builds us up. All things done unto edifying. 2 Corinthians 12, 19, the same thing. But we do all things, dearly beloved, for our edifying. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? Edifying. Let our words build up. Let our actions build up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, edify one another. So the guide for our life then is to do what builds us and others up. 
It is edification over gratification that determines what I do with Christian liberty. So the question isn't, do I have the liberty to do this? It is, should I do this? Is this going to build me up? Is this going to build others up? So edification over gratification. Then the second thing, others over self. And this is really building upon that first one. The first one's talking about building ourselves up spiritually, building others up spiritually. This takes it another, another step. Verse 24, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That word wealth could be well-being or, or their edification. And what it specifically speaks to is when it comes to choosing between what builds me up personally and what builds Brian up, when I'm given that opportunity, that I do what builds him up instead of what builds me up. That I prefer others over self. This is the principle of love, selfless love. This is a great principle in marriage. When it comes to what builds me up or what builds my spouse up, then we are to do what builds our spouse up, not what builds us up. It's a great principle within the body of Christ. It's preferring others over ourselves. And guess what? When you do that, when you prefer husbands, when you prefer what builds your wife up over what builds you up, Christian in the church, when you prefer and you, and you give in to what builds another brother or sister in, in Christ up rather than yourself, guess what? The result of that is that you and I are built up, that we are encouraged, that we are edified when we do that. So he says here, edification over gratification, others over self. By the way, Paul addresses this in Philippians chapter 2. When he writes to the church at Philippi and he says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Put others before yourself. The third thing when we talk about Christian liberty is liberty over legalism. And this is the balance of those other two. This is the, the balance because there will always be some who refuse to grow in their faith and who would just prefer that we all kind of sit in straight jackets over in the corner and do nothing, right? So Paul adds this in here. It is this principle of liberty over legalism. This is the balancing pr- principle. Don't ask questions about every little thing. How many of you have ever met somebody in the church and they see themselves as the the private investigator of the church? Where did that come from? Why why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And I'm not saying we never ask questions, but here's the principle here, and it's very clearly laid out. Look at it again in verse number 25. Remember the the big thing here is eating meat. So whatsoever is, is sold in the shambles, and the word shambles there is just the meat market. Whatever is sold in the meat market, that eat. Don't be the, the private investigator trying to dig in. Now, did this come from the temple? Was there idols that were worshipped using this? Or where did the, he just says, he says, whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat. You have the freedom to eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast... It says if someone is going to, that is not a Christian, bid you to come and to, to eat. 
and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So a lost person from work invites you over to eat. You know, you wouldn't go through the questions. Where did this come from? Was this cooked in wine? Where is this all coming from? He says, you have the liberty to eat. If unsaved people invite you over, don't investigate. The principle is here is liberty over legalism. You know, it's easy to become a legalist and stay a legalist. Some people just love their list. They love their list, and it's just easy for them to check off that list rather than to be led by the Spirit of God and directed by the Spirit of God. And listen, you don't have to be the church's private investigator. All you have to do is walk with God and do what God calls you to do and ask these questions and say, is this building up the body of Christ? Is this helping me? Is this helping my family? Is this beneficial to me? Is this beneficial to my family? Is this beneficial to to the church of God. Listen, all you have to do is worry about you. You don't have to be the investigator of everybody else. And that's what he's saying, liberty over legalism. And then the fourth thing is condescension over condemnation in verses 28 through 30. And we're, we're really almost done, although we're still on the first point. We are almost, we're like coming down for the landing the first announcement on the airplane, all right? Condescension means to voluntarily descend from one's rank or dignity and relations with a weaker believer. Now, this going back to the table, this is going back to the setting where you're at a table, maybe you're at a feast and there's lost people there and there's also saved people there. Maybe you're at a, a banquet or you're at a reception and in that reception there are Lost people there, and there are also saved people there who you know would have offenses. And here is is what he says. If you have to choose, this is the principle, if you have to choose between offending a Christian or offending a non-Christian, you might be surprised at the answer. But the, the answer that he gives is don't offend the Christian. If you have to make a choice. Now he says, the overall goal is not to offend anyone. But if you're put in a place where you have to choose, am I going to offend my brother or am I going to offend a lost person? He says, don't offend your brother. Why is that? I want you to remember that the greatest witness for the lost world is for them to see the love of Christians. By this shall the world know that ye are my disciples, if you have what? Love one for another. Again, we know Paul's heart. Paul has said, I I will do whatever I can to reach Jews. I will do whatever I can to reach Gentiles. I want to reach the lost. But he says here, if you have to make a choice, the basic rule is that we don't offend anyone. But if we have to choose, we choose in love and we, we do it carefully, not to offend our, the, the lost person, but we do not offend our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at it again, verse number 28. Don't take my word for it. If any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols. So this is another, another person that's there. Eat not for his sake that showed it, and for 
conscience sake. And then he comes back in verse 29. Conscience, I say, not thine own. So this isn't something that you personally have an issue with. He says, not thine own, but of the other, of the one who brought it up, of the one who was offended or would be offended by it. So these are the principles that he gives us. Edification over gratification. Others over self. Liberty over legalism. Condescension over condemnation. And then we see the purpose in verse 31. We spent the introduction going over the purpose. The purpose of the following of following these principles is very clearly given. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, remember the context, Christian liberty. So whatever you do, thinking about your Christian liberty, the purpose for it is to glorify God. We have the principles to guide us, to direct us. But then the purpose of it is to glorify God. And then lastly, Paul gives us the pattern for it. The pattern. He closes with a very typical practical word. Let me give you a model to follow. Verse 32, give none offense. Again, this is saying, this is the goal. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things. That was the heart of Paul. He was willing to give up whatever he needed to to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ if it did not violate Scripture. If he could do it, he wanted to do it in order to see them saved. If it was Jews, he would come as close. He would, he would come as close to them as he possibly can without justifying their faith in Judaism. He would talk about the Old Testament. He would come as close as he could. He would even dress like them. He would, he would dress like a way that would not offend them if it would help bring them to Christ. That's what he's saying here. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, notice this, that they might be what? That they might be saved. And then he says in chapter 11, verse 1, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. As Paul did from time to time, he gives them a a human model to follow. Obviously, Jesus Christ is the model. But, but Paul says, and especially for new believers who have never seen Jesus, they, they've never seen him with their eyes, Paul simply says to them, and boy, what a weight you put on yourself when you say this, right? Be followers of me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's always convicting to me as a spiritual leader. By the way, before you think, wow, I would never say that, dads, you have the responsibility to say that to your children. Follow me, and I'll point you to Jesus. Not follow me and, you know, do what I say for me, for my kingdom. No, that's not what he says. Follow me as I follow Christ. As I point you to Christ. Well, what points us to Christ? Servant leadership, dads. Servant leadership, husband. Serving our families. Loving them selflessly. Giving of ourselves just as Jesus did. When they see that in us, 
It attracts them to our Savior. It attracts them to Jesus. And so Paul was able to say this. Follow me as I follow Jesus. He gives them the principles, the purpose, and the pattern. Are we free in Christ? Absolutely. How many of you are thankful that you live now instead of the Old Testament times? (laughs) Thank the Lord for the freedom that we have in Christ. We do have Christian liberty. We only are to make sure that in exercising our Christian liberty that it is beneficial to us and others and that builds us up and others. That's the goal. Ask these questions. Day in and day out, you're faced with the same things I'm faced with. Should I do this? Should I watch this? Should I wear this? Should I listen to this? Should I go there? Paul gives us some pretty good principles to follow, doesn't he? Edification over gratification, others over self, liberty over legalism. If it's not going to offend another person and it's going to build me up, then hey, then do it. If it's going to help me, if it's beneficial. And then condescension over condemnation. Father, thank you for your word and for the example. These are Sometimes some tough areas to go through in 1 Corinthians, and yet we're thankful for the guide, the authority, really, that the Word of God is for us. And even when our flesh kind of bucks certain things, even as we did as children and as our children have done to us, um, we go back to your Word as the final authority. We don't make the rules you do. We submit to them and surrender to them. And so, God, in this area of of Christian liberty, I pray that we would be sensitive to your glory. You're such a holy God, such an awesome God, a compassionate God, a loving God. You don't want us to live under the constraints of legalism. You don't want us to be like the Pharisees who are constantly evaluating everyone else and what they're doing and what they're wearing. And you don't want us to do that, but you do want us to be sensitive to the people around us. You do want us to be sensitive to hurting other believers. You do want us to be sensitive to something that might turn someone, a lost person, away from coming to faith in Christ. So God, just make us aware And may the Spirit of God lead us and guide us and direct us. Help us to be people of your word. Help us to be built up strong because we're students of your word. Help us, Lord, to come together whenever we can for preaching and teaching. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people who are given to love. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who are given to obedient service for you. And that we might be built up and strong in our faith. So God, I pray that you would help us as a church, collectively, Lord, that we would be a good testimony to you in this community. Every person in here not only represents Jesus Christ, but they represent this church and what people think about you because of what they see here. It's not about building a name for us. It is about protecting your name. So God, I pray that you would help us to be a people, a church, that does not profane the name of God, but we bring glory to it. We pray this in Christ's name, and all the church says, Amen. Amen. I hope that is your prayer.